0: Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. Greetings, fantasy football family. (laughs) To those that punched your ticket to the playoffs, cheers to you. To those that didn't, cheers to you too. We will be here all year to get you into the playoffs next year. And playoff teams, this is our time to shine. Now, before we begin, I need everyone to stop what you're doing and close your eyes unless you're driving and take a deep fucking breath. You got to the playoffs. Now is not the time to overanalyze and overthink every roster decision that you have. Do you guys know how many people I have seen lose in the playoffs because they totally switch up their their method? Stick to what brought you here and we'll get through it. Now follow us on Twitter at Offensive Points. Follow the pastel at SemiProFantasy. Get on us at TikTok, Discord, YouTube. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, Josh is on vacation in the winter wonderland in Iceland this week, so Billy and I are holding down the fort. Give him a follow at Ombre Vendor and give me a follow at Op Economist. We got news, we got lessons learned, we got matchups, we, we got a fun time for you guys this week. So without further ado,
1: Billy, how are you today, buddy? You know, I'm doing good. And you know what's better about it is there's not going to be any incessant rambling about the eagles pop into this podcast in any way shape or form i had considered this week being the guy who just comes in and talks about the eagles in very random and unnecessary times just to kind of keep the podcast consistent but then i thought you know how annoying that is so we we, you know we're not going to do that but i agree it's actually it's fine it's it's kind of like dynasty season slash the uh playoff season so if you're in the playoffs you need to be focused you need to get in the zone um but if you're not in the playoffs maybe time to start looking into maybe getting into a dynasty league maybe if you if you've only done redraft your entire life you know dynasty never stops so you know this could be something you could look forward to in the future or you know we'll see you again next season but we'll have plenty of off-season content as well that will get you ready for next. I like Dynasty a hell of a lot better than the redraft. I I do too because I like the consistency of just knowing yeah. um, what's going to happen year to year. Um, so on today's podcast, we're going to do news. We're going to do recaps. We're going to do our five biggest lessons learned from this fantasy football season. And then we're going to get to Joe's daily plays. So without further ado let's get right into the news so i i mean i think there's only really one place to start and that is with our boy urban meyer so this guy who we all the offseason kicker kicker yes the kicker of kickers um I mean, we all saw it coming. There's a lot of people taking victory laps with the, dude, I called it. Like, oh, we all, like, I made this intense call about Urban Meyer this offseason. I'm just here to say, yeah, we all saw it coming. Like, every single person. That was doing that knew anything about football saw this was a disaster from a mile away. I mean, for example, when he signed Tim Tebow, Joe, you nearly fell out of your chair and yeah. was about to hit something with a bat.
0: And everyone was so excited about it and thought it was a good signing. And I was like, this is just gonna derail this whole team. And and I think it did. I think it, it def- truly did.
1: It definitely did. So there was a report that came out that he called all of his assistant coaches losers. And to those assistant coaches, I want you to say you've never done a podcast with Josh Hall. He calls us losers all the time behind the scenes. Yeah. So, you know, it happens when your colleagues are, you know, perceived losers. They're you know That's what I Meyer thinks of everybody around him. They're all losers. He's a winner. They need to get on his level. He had me that- show up his resume the other day. Or he had me show <laughs>
0: him my resume the other day, a little yeah, fucker.
1: Exactly. Because that, that's how Urban Meyer works, and that's how our boy Josh works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Baby, mind,
0: this Sorry. Just we got to wear up,
1: out this sound, because we don't, we're not going to have it for much longer.
0: This dude just straight up kicked Josh Lambeau. He kicked the kicker in yeah. mid-stretch
1: he did kick kicker, So that's what, so Josh Lambeau came out today and said that while he was warming up and stretching, urban Meyer just came over and kicked him. He said it wasn't a hard kick, but it was enough to get his attention. And, um, basically said to him, Hey, dip make your kicks. I guess if that's not motivation, what is Joe? I mean, there's, there, there is verbal ways of saying things, but I guess if, if, you know, push comes to shove, you could just kick the shit out of somebody. I kick my employees all the time. I was about to um, say, should we start doing that around here? Should, yeah, you know, whenever we're yeah. having a bad podcast, we'll just go over there and kick the shit out of somebody.
0: Yeah, that'd be perfect, man. No, no, the, the kick is a very effective tool uh, for motivation, and, you know, I just, you know, Josh Lambeau, man, you know, it ruined his career. Ruined it, his whole career. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he got... The fourth you know, most accurate hit. kicker of all time.
1: Yeah. It's and kicked then, by Herman
0: Meyer and is jobless.
1: And this kind of is hilarious if you look back at it because Urban Meyer for the first I think seven weeks of the season, he didn't even attempt a field goal the entire time. So yeah. that that should tell you, you know, everything that you need to know about Urban Meyer and Josh Lambeau. Um, we'll play the sound one more time. Urban is a piece of shit, and I think we all kind of saw it coming, and he not there's no shot that he's back. This is officially assault at your workplace that's been reported by the kicker. I I don't know how in the world you could possibly bring him back.
0: He did reinvigorate Laquan Treadwell's career, though. Um, And Dan Arnold. Yeah, I mean, think think about it. And
1: the accountant. Um yeah, I mean there's been reports like he's gotten in arguments with Marvin Jones like I just and he's officially like derailed Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. I mean four picks in this last game. I I uh, here's and okay, we're just going to take this from the coach to the players. So does this worry you at all about Trevor Lawrence that even though he's gotten poor coaching, which I understand and Maybe maybe you could blame 70% of it on Urban Meyer, but is it concerning at all that he hasn't gotten any better the entire season? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, when you have your – Number one overall pick hasn't gotten better at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And then you got, you know, James Robinson, who we all know is a stud. The fantasy community loves this guy. We were shocked that they drafted Etienne. For that spot and then you're just gonna bench him because he fumbled when your whole team sucks like who's gonna bench urban meyer someone needs to bench him for real
1: yeah i That's agree 100 and i just i don't know and then you know you have that reporter ask him hey like what do you think of andre Cisco's snaps after coming back from injury and urban's like hey you know we're getting him you know we got him a couple snaps out there today and he had zero he, he did not have a single snap logged in the game on Sunday, I just, it's a, it's a dumpster fire on top of a dumpster fire. Like, I I don't know more to say at this point. We all, we all saw it coming. There's no point in taking everyone, taking a victory lap individually. Let's just collectively say, duh. Like I hate that we happen to know more than these GMs and owners, but it's just, I don't know. Like how, how could you not see some of this coming? No, no. Okay, we'll move on to the second story in the book, which I'll have you kind of read out a little bit, but a couple of GMs were hired overseas to kind of get the global NFL initiative together, um, which we're going to have NFL games go to more uh, countries than just Mexico or England. Um, Those are the two that I think that I've, I don't think we've had anyone anywhere else, right? Just those two countries so far but we're soon to have more. Um, Joe, would you like to announce where these teams are going to be headed?
0: Yeah. So um, basically the deal that was announced today, from my understanding is for broadcasting rights of the teams. um, And then they will play there at some point in the next, I think they said eight years. So, you know, with the amount of teams said, you're probably looking like two or three a year after this. Um, Just going off of speculation here, but uh Canada was awarded the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks, where Mexico, where there was a game played, has the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Rams, the Steelers, and the 49ers. So a lot of those teams are going to be going down to Mexico City to play. Uh, Brazil randomly was given the Miami Dolphins. Um, I guess they'll go play in Rio. i um, not sure what team that they will be playing down there. Um, UK, we have the Chicago bears, Jacksonville Jags, Miami dolphins, Minnesota Vikings, New York jets, and San Francisco 49ers, uh, for Spain, the bears and the dolphins, Australia, the Rams, China gets the Rams and Germany gets the Panthers, the chiefs, the Patriots and the Buccaneers. So my whole takeaway from this is why does Germany get all the good teams for Nico to watch?
1: Yes. Our, (laughs) avid listener Nico out there we are happy to see that German Germany is going to end up getting some good games I, I like this for the NFL they're trying to build fan bases all over the globe they don't want to give full teams to other countries yet but I feel like this is kind of a a more trial run to see if we can get teams over in different countries and see if they end up working out um, I mean it definitely can't hurt. That's the thing. Like Any any new team that can, any new fan base that can be cultivated in a different country is good for the league, good for the sport. We in the America are going to cry and complain about it because the time zones are going to be very weird and we're going to be watching games at weird times, but soccer right now is the most global sport in the country and you currently have people waking up all the time at weird hours to watch these games. Hell, the World Cup next season is going to happen at like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm pretty sure, when it takes place in Qatar. So, I mean, we're going to have to adapt. I know as Americans that's a tough, tough ask sometimes. But we're just going to have to adapt to the times, and we're just going to have to be happy that there's going to be more football all over the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I for one, I love when the uh, the London games, man. I love waking up, setting my lineups, and just watching. You know, normally the games are okay. Uh, but it's great. It's a great way to wake up Sunday morning. I'm a huge fan of that. So if we could just do that, you know, from Saturday night, just go on a bender all the way through to Sunday, that would be perfect. But,
1: yeah, but I know. This it.
0: is this kind of reminds me of like a rent a uh, koala thing that the zoos put on or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, you, you don't get to do anything with this koala, but you get to watch it and uh, support it here. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool that they're branching out and hopefully getting more viewership and people can catch the games when they don't want to pay astronomical stuff or illegally stream games. So that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with that. I feel like that story was kind of hidden under a rock this, this like, I don't know, this past week. It's just, I, I think it's quite exciting, but, you know, there's been other bigger issues, uh, bigger fish to fry, I guess. Um, so that leads us to number three, which is our COVID outbreak, like, mageddon i don't even know what to call it covid getting man covid getting sure um 85 players were put on uh the covid list over the past week um i don't want to be a conspiracy theorist it's weird that it all happened at the same time maybe that's just a coincidence i don't know maybe feels like the testing wasn't really done as much (laughs) but that you know i don't know um i do think it seems like the fantasy football gods were like oh the playoffs started like here's your next challenge yep. like, you, you thought just getting to the playoffs was fun how about now you're gonna have random players for teams maybe not be able to play i mean hell the browns play on saturday half their teams on the COVID. i mean they don't have a coach they don't have a quarterback i, I mean it's just it's affected everybody joe what are cool. you what are you thinking about this I mean, the Rams and the
0: Browns are absolutely fucked. Both playoff teams, you know, that's going to shake up rankings and stuff, but a lot of good fantasy players on both. Um, And, you know, it's just really bad. You pointed out earlier that daily, there's going to be a ton of values as soon as the dust settles on this from guys that are going to get starting roles because uh, there's nothing there. But uh, this COVID, you know, this Omicron variant, I don't know. It hasn't been verified on that, but, you know, everything, even the Delta is highly transmissible. So. I think you're right. I mean, I think they're starting to test these people. It was shocking how I think, wasn't it like two hours after the game that Odell came out as positive? Yeah. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. And, you know, I think that they're this enhanced protocol thing they're going into. We're going to see more of this over the coming weeks. So be prepared.
1: I think so too. And I think, I think they're just going to have to get to a point where they're able to test faster to see if it's a false positive or not. Because, like, that's what happened to Tyler Higby. On Monday Night Football, he was unable to play because he tested positive. And then literally the day afterwards, they found out that it was, in fact, negative that, you know, he tested positive for And I think they just got to figure out a better way of testing to make sure that this is actually something that doesn't affect a whole lot of games going forward. Because, I mean, you know, what if the week of the Super Bowl, you have half the players out, which I know it's for safety. And I get that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But it's just the false positives that are a problem, I feel like. And a lot of these that happen this weekend are gonna end up being false positives. That's that's the thing. A lot of these people are vaccinated and most of them have the booster even. And it doesn't, you know, they still hit for it.
0: So yeah, I don't know. I mean know. the NFL was- came out and said that they're not planning on postponing games or switching any games around because of this, but we already saw it with the Bulls in the NBA. Um, they're changing up two games on their schedule because literally half their starters and their whole team has tested positive in some regards. So it's, yeah, bring
1: uh, back Tuesday Night Football. We we had fun with that. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, was um, that was fun. Yeah, but so just we would go through the long list of names. I don't think it's I, it is relevant. I think maybe you just look at your uh, settings. Set look at your. Designations and see who has it, who's actually going to come back. Like the Miami entire running back room is out right now. It looks like Duke Johnson might be the only one available. Again, another decent DFS look. Um, But like none of them appear to be coming back. They're still projected points in leagues, but from what I've heard, they're not coming back this week. So it's just one of those things like you just got to pay attention to who is available and who's not. And like on Sunday morning or Saturday morning, you're just going to have to look and make sure that whoever you have listed down for COVID is in fact activated in time because there's a chance that if they don't get two positive te- or they don't get two negative tests that they're going to be out for the game. And that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the Browns are literally going
1: to be without Hooper
0: or Njoku Baker Mayfield, Travis or uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, I'm just trying to put out the big names here. If you're in IDP, uh, Grugier Hill, Christian Kirksey are out. Um, Miles
1: Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed are
0: both out. Odell Beckham, Daryl Henderson stills on the list. All of Miami, like like you said, there. Alexander Madison's out, so maybe we see uh, Wanku or however you say his name. I can't. I still can't say that. Yeah, I mean that's that's about right. That's about right. There's a ton uh, of uh, of injuries here, or not injuries, but COVID things that we need to monitor because they're just going to keep happening as testing increases.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's it's just literally what it is right now. I mean, team, like the the, the product is going to be harmed, but you know, we're just going to pay attention. That's, that's all it is. This that's is the type is. of time of season. If you're in the playoffs, I'm sure you know who's on your team. I sure you know. I'm sure you know who has COVID. And who you need to be paying attention to. But if you
0: don't, there is a bright red lettering. If you are on <laughs> Sleeper and ESPN, that says "Cove" next to it. And uh, if you're on Yahoo, I think it's orange, and it says "Cove." Yeah, stands for COVID nineteen.
1: Oh, nice, Joe. Thank you for yeah. the clarification. Uh, clarify it. All right, let's do our one minute recaps. So. I'll go first since I got I got the dub, um, and it was a fun game. I it was fun until the second half, really. Uh, Lamar Jackson went out in the first quarter. He played three drives. Maybe in the second quarter, he played three drives. Got hurt with an ankle, and he went out. He was hurt, and that's pretty much the reason that we won the game. Um, Cleveland looked great. Miles Garrett had a strip sack, picks or a fumble six whatever the fuck that's called um strip whatever i don't know um yeah, but anyway three. yeah whatever a fumble return for a touchdown um which was fun miles garrett depoy in my opinion but you know tj waddle still get some shots i'm sure but in my opinion def- uh, defensively miles garrett's been the most effective player on in the season so far so i hope he gets the nod um, uh, Baker Mayfield cannot look any worse out there. It's just sad to see maybe this COVID him, with him being out is going to be okay. Uh, case Keenum's going to play the next game. It looks like, and he said today that he can't wait to have a full chub out there, which he was referring to Nick Chubb, but it was a hilarious quote because he said full chub.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I have a full chub with the way my bears <laughs> play in the first half on Sunday.
1: Did that give you a little hope of the future? Oh, oh my god, no! I'll let you do your recap. Well, no. let you do your recap, and then we'll talk about it. No, we can we can talk about yours still. No, I I I mean the Browns suck. I yeah. they can win these games. The problem is the the Baltimore Ravens are worse. Like that's the thing. I think if Lamar's out there, that game's not close. I think Huntley actually came in there and looks look really good throwing the ball. Yeah. And Lamar is not that guy. That's the thing.
0: Yeah, Lamar saw not Bayman good. finally kind of break exactly a little bit
1: exactly there and, Lamar, yeah. Rashad Bateman's first hundred yard passing game and it's not Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson's only had one passing touchdown in the last like nine games and hasn't had a rushing touchdown since week two yeah that, absolutely. That, that's wild. not good like that's not a good thing for Lamar Jackson who's supposed to be this top five fantasy quarterback he's just simply not yeah He's good to see the wheels
0: fall off a little bit there.
1: 20 to 20, he's solid. He can get you to scramble down there. But once he gets into the red zone, or if he gets into like the 30 or 40 yard line of the opposing team, it's Justin Tucker time or it's turnover time. There's no other choice. And that's just the way it is. It'll be interesting to see if he pulls out of that at all. Yeah. By the way, J.K. Dobbins needs to be purchased in Dynasty as soon as possible. That would be a good buy. I think they in the offseason, he will be one of my buys for the offseason. I was trying to buy Cam Akers. They don't really want to let him go, though. No, Cam Akers. Well, yeah, you've seen what the Rams' offense looks like with Daryl Henderson, who's not as good as Cam Akers. I'm sorry. I won't ever believe what Josh says about them being equal. Cam Akers was better. I don't know how he's going to look after he comes back from this injury, but we'll
0: see. Yeah, that would be a good buy right now. I think so. Um. Yeah, uh, so on Sunday, I was dreading, absolutely dreading that game the whole day. Uh, Bears-Packers on Sunday night. Of course, um, I was waiting for a nationally televised ass-kicking, and it didn't happen. Um, well, it did happen, but it was delayed a little bit because the Bears, shockingly, had a phenomenal first half. Justin Fields did have uh, have an interception, a fumble in the first half, but he made a great throw to Jakeem Grant and threw a great ball to Demir Bird. Defense looked good. Everything was clicking. We had a we had a punt return touchdown uh, by Jakeem Grant. It looked it looked pretty saucy. It looked like we were going to be competitive in that game. Um, we went into halftime and uh, Matt Nagy did not make any adjustments whatsoever. I'm completely classic, convinced. That, classic Nagy. Yeah, I'm convinced that he comes <laughs> up with something on Monday when he's taking a shit, and that's just what he sticks with the whole week. Like nothing can change or waver what that man does. Matt LaFleur went in the locker room, made a lot of adjustments. They came out. Green Bay put up 14 points and I think it was three minutes. Um, and at that point I knew the uh the ride was over and they absolutely slaughtered us. It was forty five to thirty at the end. So hopefully you guys bet the over on that game. Um, because you got the over and you got the cover. So that would have been a good one to bet. But um yeah, no, it. We got good pieces, man. And and Justin Fields, if we can, well, Tevin Jenkins first came in for his first start when Peters got hurt. He did not have a great game, but he looked okay on some drives. So,
1: all right, Joe. So I got a question for you. Yeah. Has Trevor Lawrence at any point in the season looked as good as Justin Fields looked in that first half? No. Is that not concerning to you? The Bears offense is not. it's it's good, it's not great. And I think you could admit that. It's no, good, man. not great. I would um, never obviously... say anything about the Bears. Aside from <laughs>
0: our special teams, it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you, you didn't even use Mooney at all, really, in that game. No. And Justin Fields looked great in that first well, good, not great, but he was good. He looked like a promising rookie, is what he looked like. I mean, it was Trevor Lawrence has never looked that way in any of his games so far. We can blame coaches, but is Urban Meyer or Matt Nagy, which one's worse on offense? Because I can't say that there's one that's better than the other.
0: I want to say Nagy because it's the square peg in the round hole thing. You know, (laughs) he he came out this off season and said, you know, it's year four of his offense and the players are starting to get it. Even though I think there's only two guys on offense that have been here all four years. That's what I was
1: wondering. I was like, who on that offense has been there long
0: enough to even remember that? Right. You know, it's Nagy just refuses to accept the fact that it's not working. He, you know, he's this so-called guru, brilliant guy. I don't think anyone ever felt that way about Urban Meyer and he doesn't go out and talk about his offense. It's so great. It's, you know, we just got to do this right or do this right, you know? Um, And that's what kills me about it because, you know, Urban Meyer, say what you will about him. It's his first year as a coach. He's got a rookie quarterback and a team that really has no talent on it to speak of. So, If he were to, he's going to get fired. But if he were to do what Nagy does for four years, then then I would say he's worse. But
1: fair uh, enough. I just I see Justin Fields out there, and I see Trevor Lawrence out there, and I think one of them has a promising future, and I think the other one does not yet.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: solely based on where he's located. I'm sure that's where I'm getting that from. But it's just tough to see. It is. All right, well, we don't really need to recap the Eagles because they had a bye week and Josh decided to take a bye week with them. So that kind of shows you you the commitment of Eagles fans right there. Putting off trips till bye weeks. Yep. (laughs) All right, so we'll get on to our five biggest lessons learned from the 2021 fantasy football season. I will go first. Um, My – biggest uh, this is actually this is just my biggest lesson and I think it's one of those lessons we probably should have learned in the past but this year it's been kind of hammered home grab your handcuff I understand that there's offenses that you can't do that in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams Jamal Williams DeAndre Swift um, probably there's probably another one I'm not thinking of right now but like um, or Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, even though that ended, Miami up, guy. that ended up shaking out kind of, but you know, they were about evil equal in ADP hilariously at the beginning of the season. But if you have CMC, if you have Dalvin cook, if you have Alvin Kamara, if you have Saquon Barkley, if you have one of these guys that has a clear lion's share of the workload and is only going to have one person, maybe one person behind them, grab that second guy late in the draft. You Not even late, maybe, maybe like round 10 or 11, like maybe a little bit earlier than you normally would. Because the problem ends up being, if you're fighting on waivers for that top spot, the chances are that your record is so good that you're not going to have the number one waiver priority. And you're going to end up losing a possibly league-winning running back simply because you didn't have them on your team at the beginning of the season and i i personally joe think that this is a lesson that you can take into the future because i don't i don't think the injuries are going to slow down and then when you add covid into the mix it's just a it's you know anything can happen any week and i just think that going for you can't really do this with wide receivers you can't really do this with tight ends you can't really do this with quarterback maybe quarterbacks but it's a little silly to do it with quarterbacks but with running backs for example i, I just think you're, this, the value of having that second piece in the offense behind him, he might not play the entire season. Fair. Fine. But if he does, might end up winning new league. So do you agree with that being a, no. a lesson learned? A thousand percent. I mean, I, I usually do
0: it. I'll usually draft the handcuff late if possible. And my whole thought behind it is I've got him if I need him. But if you're in the waiver thing and you have a high waiver claim and, and there's just a stud out there, you can get rid of the, the handcuff at a later date if you need to pick up that guy. But a lot of people don't like handcuffs because they're wasting the bench spot. I mean, some leagues have minimal bench spots for running backs. And if you're only allowed to have five or four, it's a little bit more difficult. But I mean, if you can have unlimited running backs or up to eight or something, slam one on there. You're not hurting anything. What else are you going to keep on there? Some prospect that might not even pan out. Um. Yeah, handcuffs can absolutely save your season,
1: or like when a backup kicker else. or a backup defense. Like, oh, that yeah. kind of thing. don't, don't even them, get me started on. Let that.
0: those people go. If you have a backup quarterback, I can understand. I don't like it. A backup tight end, I don't like it, but I understand it. But backup defense is a backup kickers. Get out of fantasy football if you got
1: that. <laughs> yeah, that does really frustrate you <laughs> when people. Yes, have I hate it. I do it only strategically. Like I picked up three defenses in a league just because I wanted to keep those three away from other people that were streaming. That's the only, only reasonable thing. And you have to have a darn good lineup to make that happen. Yeah.
0: And you can do that game and that's fine. You know, if you're doing it strategically, but you know, how many of those people you have to have, have a good goofy... lineup
1: to do that? Like, that's the thing. Like if you don't have a good lineup, you shouldn't be doing goofy, you know, Wile e. Coyote games like that. Right, but you get guys that are like, well, you know, I, I got to pick up a wide receiver,
0: but, you know, I got to drop, you know, Matt Prater to pick up K.J. Osborne. It's like, well, yeah, you fucking pick up K.J. Osborne <laughs> exactly. if you need a wide receiver, you know?
1: Ah, oh, kills me. All right, Joe, give us your first one.
0: Uh, my first one is the fantasy gods are a very real thing, and they do not give a fuck about you or me or anybody. They just deal it out willy-nilly can ruin your whole season with injuries you know covid's a thing now we've already addressed that um you get guys with great matchups that go out there and absolutely just fall flat on their face and you get guys in horrible matchups that blow up on your bench it's it's horrible and believe in the fantasy football gods i don't know if we need to start like uh like a prayer circle every morning to them uh just to appease them or you know
1: Yeah, we need to make some kind of shrine so that they they know that they're, you know, welcomed in this household or yeah that we believe. Maybe we mark mark our doors and then what they did in Egypt or whatever. Yeah, the Passover. So the angel of death didn't come by their door. The angel of fantasy football death. (laughs) Take their first first round draft pick.
0: I'm going to go throw a (laughs) bottle of bourbon in a volcano after this podcast just so (laughs) I can get that. I had horrible luck all year. Thankfully, I made it to the playoffs in a couple of leagues, but they really got me this year yeah
1: no it was a rough year all around that's for sure all right i'll get on to my second one which will be number three and this this lesson is a lesson i learned for for a number of teams this year diversify your lineups so i i play in 10 plus fantasy football league. Some of them for money, some of them not for money, but I lo- ended up looking around all of them at the end of the season and noticed I didn't have Jonathan Taylor. I didn't have Cooper cup. I didn't have like it, you name one of the, like the top three at, at the position. Some of them I had Justin Jefferson, but most of them, I didn't have any, many of the big name players on my rosters. I tunnel visioned my way to I like these guys, I want these guys on all of my rosters. Well, you know what happens if those guys don't pan out? All of your lineups don't pan out. So I'm not suggesting that you have to intentionally go in wanting to get different players on different lineups. But I will say maybe, you know, and you learn this lesson a lot in best ball because you're forced to make different decisions. But in your traditional season-long lineups, maybe we don't go in and pick the same – like. Trey Sermon, for example, very hot commodity at the beginning of the season. Everybody thought Kyle Shanahan picked him in the third round. He's easily going to be the number one. Like, let's just, let's, you know, buckle that in and everybody take him, you know, decently high. And then he ends up being a bust this year. And if he was one of your, you know, seventh round picks, because I think that's about where he was going at the yeah. highest, that that was a waste of a seventh round pick where you could have had easily Mike Williams, you could have had, I wouldn't say Cooper Cup, but probably, yeah, it would have been really late for him maybe. Um, but you could have had a decent tight end. You could have had, you know, somebody that would have made more sense at that position. And it's just as a whole, maybe just don't latch on to a few players. If you're dead set, like next year, it's going to be Justin Jefferson. He's going to be the number one wide receiver in every draft. Um, but if you don't get him, don't forget about the guys around him. Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, for however long that is going to last. Just don't forget about these guys because although you didn't get the guy that you really, really wanted, like Justin Jefferson, doesn't mean you should punt on the position until later and then take some rookie that may pan out next year. So that's just, I don't know. I, that's my one of my lessons I've learned from this season. You make
0: a great point here because, you know, we spend all year reading about these players, and Trey Sermon was a perfect example. You get all hyped on these players. There's always these hype players every year that you just, you know, really focus on, you key in on. If you're in the third round and, you know, it's it's about a round or a half round early, you're like, I'm going to take that guy because I want to be the smart guy, you know, mm-hmm. and we all fall into that there, trap. Yep. Um, no, looking through my teams, I was a lot of the same way. My best team, ironically, um, in redraft this year was an auto draft team that I forgot about the draft completely, and I ended up with Jonathan Taylor. I have Cooper Cup. I have, uh, what was it? Gronkowski. And who is the other late guy? I got, I can't even think of it right now, but it was a team I never would have drafted I, this year based off of my drafts. Exactly. Never would have gone for him, And it's my best team. So, you know, don't just, get so high on yourself that you draft stupidly.
1: And I will also put into this too. Hopefully this isn't one of your lessons. Also put it in one of this too. If you don't believe in the player, you don't have to take them honestly. Like, I I could and I think we all could see some of the roadblocks ahead for Alvin Kamara, for example, before the season of like, hmm, I don't really love that situation. The quarterback is kind of sketchy, but he is being touted as the number two running back. I can you know, he's really good with what happened with Drew Brees. But if you don't love Alvin Kamara's situation, you don't have to take him like number two. It makes sense. I had a guy in the league take Jonathan Taylor number four overall over like Derrick Henry and a couple other people. Just because he believed in Jonathan Taylor, he didn't believe in Derrick Henry, which obviously looking back, that was kind of silly. But, you know, Derrick Henry ends up getting hurt, which affected that. But, you know, he just didn't believe in the player. So he took the player he believed in. There's there's something to be said about just taking the guys that you believe in. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Joe. No,
0: that was a great point. That was a good lesson to be learned. I think we can all benefit from that one. Um, really, uh, I've tried to do this my whole fantasy career, but you got to go for it. You know, I you got to go for the win every time. Now this year, it bit me in the ass. I traded away Najee for Derrick Henry. I traded away, you know, Jamar Chase for AJ Brown in our league. I traded. I made a bunch of stupid trades. But I was literally just going for it. I was like, I'm going to win the title this year. This is I'm going all in on it. And especially in Dynasty and Keeper Leagues, I think a lot of the times we can fall into that trap of, oh, well, for next year, for next year, you know, we're not even guaranteed in next year. You got to go for it if you have the opportunity to go for it. And I see a lot of people, you know, we notice it in Dynasty all the time. People just kind of middle in the middle of the pack. That's where their team is forever. They never get out of the middle of the pack. They never jump up. They never go down. You know, it's it's that type of, oh, next year mentality you're building for this year or that year. You just got to go for it. And I'm a big fan of that mentality in fantasy football.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. And you definitely see this a lot more in Dynasty. I mean, you do see it in Redraft too, when people won't try make a trade or even make a waiver move the entire year because yeah, they, they, they want to keep that one waiver wire... Yeah, it, or because they think like, well, my team, the way that it is set up now, if everything ends up working out, it's going to be perfect, and my team's going to be successful. And then yeah. it it maybe doesn't. Maybe you end up with like a six and eight team by week twelve, and you're like, shit, or fourteen, and you're like, shit, I should have made a move. Um, but like, yeah, if if you don't if you don't make an adjustment, and your team's losing, like if you're you know seven and zero. Oh, fine keep the gravy train rolling you don't need to make a move if you don't want to if you want to that's fine if you don't that's fine too but if you're three and four and you're kind of in the middle of the pack shuffle it up a little bit make make another make a move that's gonna change things up because yeah that's exactly one of the problems with playing in especially money leagues where people just give up and they don't really care about their roster and it's like but you just donated a hundred dollars to this league like what is going on you yeah. know if your team's just unlucky it's just unlucky but at least you're trying you know yeah. you're making moves i have a i have a team that
0: you know i had ridley in i had henry in, i had michael thomas i got screwed this whole in this whole league but i was in last place all year and last week i knocked the team out of the playoffs because I made the right moves and started them and that's one of yeah. my favorite memories from this year is <laughs> out of the playoffs. So, you know, always have fun, keep playing and you got to go for it every week. You really do. Sounds
1: good. All right. Well, for this last one, we'll kind of do, I'll, I'll have a little bit of one and you can have a little bit of one. So my kind of like minor, this is number five. It's going to be a, a joint number five. My number five is dynasty brain. So Dynasty brain is a real affliction and it happens a lot. It happened to me this year a lot. And so dynasty brain is when you have overvalued rookies and sophomores over proven talent in redraft leagues. And it, it affects you quite a bit when you're going into drafts because you see these shiny toys that are coming out in the new draft and you're like oh i need to draft all of them on my team because they're really talented and this team really believes in them because they're getting a lot of play in camp while it's like players like keenan allen just kind of fall by the wayside but they end up being the the guy who's actually the player in that and on that team and i think it's just it's a good lesson for newer dynasty players um it can even affect people that have played dynasty before um, just like falling in infatuation with the new talent. It's, it's not always the best sign and it sometimes can really hurt your teams in the long run for redraft because you end up with a bunch of players that are unproven and they don't, they don't work very well. Yeah,
0: no, it absolutely can. I mean, I, I was taking Terrence Marshall in some leagues in like the 11th round and uh, that's the dynasty brain kicking in. It's like, this guy's uber talented. He's big. He's going to do some. Never fans out. Exactly. Well,
1: I, and this, this honestly, I'm sorry. This is just the Trey Sermon thing. Like, this is just yeah, Trey Trey Sermon. the Trey Sermon thing. Like, yeah. I took Trey Sermon because I believed that with Kyle in Kyle Shanahan's offense, that Trey Sermon would be great. And I thought he would lean on him a lot. Barely used him, you know? And then, like, another one this year that was really hot was LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought in the second year of Chenault that this was the perfect situation for him. He was, Exactly what they needed in Jacksonville, where Travis Etienne gets hurt, LaVisca Shenault could be that guy, and LaVisca Shenault can barely even run a correct route now. Like it looks like he doesn't even belong out there some plays, and it, it, it's just you, you see these players and you see what they you think they can do, and you kind of make this up in your head of what their situation is going to look like, and then it blows up in your face. So that's my that's my last one, Joe. You can have four for your last one.
0: Uh, My last one is just be careful about being in too many leagues. I'm like, I'm a yes man. Naturally, I try to make everyone around me happy. Um, And if someone asks me to do something, 85% of the time, actually, let's be real, 100% of the time, I'm going to say yes or do everything possible to make it happen. I got myself into way too many leagues, literally the last five years. And, um, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I just, every team suffers because of that. You know, you're sitting there on the waiver wire, and you're like, "Oh, I got to get this guy or this guy." You know, you don't know who you're starting half the time. You make some stupid calls in your lineups because you're not focusing on one thing. You know, I think like six teams is like the perfect, perfect mesh
1: there. But I agree. I, I would say because I'm in ten plus leagues as it is, which is too many, <laughs> but. The way that I the only way I could say if you are going to be able to do that many leagues, because I've seen people in like 30 to 40 leagues, yeah. which I just don't know how the hell they can possibly do all of that. But I would suggest if you are, prioritize in terms of importance. So if you're in a money league, that should probably be number one. If bragging rights would be number two there in the league that you're in with your buddies. That should be number two. And then like leagues where you you know, it's like a coworker that needed you needed one more spot and they just needed you in. It's a free pool. Maybe that one's probably not the one you care about as much. So if you are going to do a lot of leagues um, you just got to find a way to prioritize them. Cause maybe you miss a waiver wire on one of those lower level ones that it's like, well, darn, I didn't get Eli Mitchell. But if you're on a, the money ones, I would spend your most amount of time and consciousness towards that because at the end of the day, we're here to make money. We're here to win. You're here to win all the leagues. Let's not kid ourselves, but theoretically speaking, you would want to win the money or win your bragging rights. So you can make fun of your friends. That would kind of be the ideal top notch thing um, involved. And then the one with your coworkers that you may not even work that job after a couple of years, like that's kind of lower down there.
0: See, I agree with what you're saying and you should absolutely prioritize, but i'm i'm uber competitive about shit me too and that's what i'm just saying if people (laughs) if people do want to do a lot of leagues and i'm like fuck you nancy from accounting i'm kicking your team's asses exactly The next thing i know i'm spending an hour on that team and i you know
1: right and this starts your revenge you know your huge long villainous plot with nancy from accounting and i get that but i'm just saying if you are in a lot of leagues and you want to figure out how to I don't know. Cause I got a lot of people that only play in like one or two leagues. And they ask me like, how the hell do you do 10? And I'm like, well, I kind of just have to prioritize the ones that are money are the one that get a lot of my attention and the ones that don't have any money involved. I'm kind of like, you know, I'll check in on it see how it's going. And that's it. No. Okay. I agree. Well, I think those were some important lessons learned. Um, if it, if you're, you know, if you're missing Josh, his lesson would be the Eagles rock the you know Eagles.
0: No, his lesson would be like watch out for the four string cornerback on some random team that used to play for the Eagles because they look really good in one game in preseason. So if you're in an IDP league, you should probably pick that guy up and just waste his spot on your bench for six years <laughs> because he's or, be good.
1: Or don't forget when that guy played for the Eagles ten years ago and how yeah. good he was then. Cause we yeah. all remember stuff like that, you know? Yeah.
0: All right, the July, Joe,
1: man was so good. <laughs> let's, let's go to some daily plays. Let's finish this out. All right. So it's, it's a weird week for daily. Um,
0: I'll start off my start of the week is Justin Jefferson. He is 8,500 versus Chicago. Um, he is, so what they did with Devontae Adams last week, uh, the bears had Jalen Johnson on Devontae Adams. It got to the point where they were moving Devontae Adams all over the lineup to get him open and away from uh, Jalen Johnson. They're going to do the same thing with Justin Jefferson this week. He's going to have an absolute monster game, especially with the inevitable second-half breakdown of the defense. So watch out for Justin Jefferson this week. Please get him in your lineups. Um, so quarterbacks this week. Um, and, Bill, I'm going to get some feedback on you on this one. Sure. So, my top end guys, Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. Uh, Rodgers gets Baltimore. The toe scares me a little bit, but it's Aaron Rodgers. He'll be just fine. And then you got Kyler at 7,900 versus Detroit. Um, They were just beat by the Rams. I think Kyler is going to come out. And even without Hopkins, just fucking run all over this defense. I think Arizona wins big in this game. So, I'm having a really hard time choosing between these two.
1: Hmm. don't know joe i really don't
0: you don't i like rogers versus baltimore you save 400 um
1: i i think i think you're right about that because rogers has been on a tear um there's Baltimore's also chance... been really
0: good against the running
1: backs too yeah recently. which makes me think that it's better to go with rogers in that situation yeah probably yeah. but i like rogers. There.
0: i just wanted your feedback there um so one of my favorite quarterbacks, I already touched on Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is 6,700 uh, versus Chicago. And then we got Joe Burrow at 6,100 versus Denver. Offensive coordinator came out this week and said they need to let him loose with the wide receivers. So I always think the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I think this is the week that Burrow goes nuts, um, even though Denver is a tough matchup. Um, I, it really pained me to put this guy in here. Uh, Tua gets the jets and I put him in here. He's at 5,700 only because he gets the jets. If he wasn't facing the jets, he would not be on my list. I will probably have a couple lineups with him, but I'm not too excited about it. The cheaper quarterback. I am excited about Justin Fields at 5,500 versus Minnesota. Now I brought up how Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson, they're all going to go off against Chicago. I like Justin Fields on the other side because Minnesota cannot stop anybody, and we saw that with Detroit uh, two weeks ago. So I really like Justin Fields in this one. He's going to get some with his legs, and he is super cheap at $5,500. Um, at running backs, uh, on the higher end, I like Nick Chubb. He's 7700 Las Vegas uh, has been horrible against the run recently. We saw Edward Solaire put up two touchdowns on him last week. Darrell Williams caught a long ball for a touchdown. Um, Chubb's really going to be the only healthy guy. I think I, there's no news on hunt really. Um, and the whole rest of the offense and the coach are in COVID protocol. So I think they're going to lean on Chubb in this one. Um, we got Antonio Gibson. I can't quit this guy. He's 6,000 McKissick may or may not play this week, but I really like Gibson and going against Philly. They've been a little bit better against the run recently, but I still think they're very beatable. Uh, Elijah Mitchell if he plays against Atlanta this week and he is only at 6200 he is always a daily play for me Um, and on the cheaper end I got Donta Foreman against the Steelers now recently the Steelers in the last six games have given up you know about 150 yards a game to running backs they've given up two 200 yard games and three multi-touchdown running back games. Um, Donta Foreman, we had Jeremy McNichols come back last week, but he looked terrible. He didn't really do anything. He had one good run. Um, so I think they're going to go right back to Dante Foreman in this role. Uh, and he's at 5,200 and then Royce Freeman randomly out of nowhere, uh, is at 4,500 and he gets Jacksonville who is not good against the run.
1: You like any of those bill? I I like those a lot. I was going to mention to you, see if you liked uh, Penny from Seattle. What are your thoughts on him? I like Penny a lot. He's 5,400, which I understand is kind of not expensive, but, you know, James Robinson is in the same price range. I mean, obviously Urban Meyer hates that guy. So, (laughs) you know, I I want to start Robinson so bad
0: in the league. He's got such a good matchup. I just don't trust it. Um, but what do you think about yeah. Penny? With with Penny, um, I like him. I really want to like him. Um the Adrian Peterson probably being back this week kind of bothers me there. And Alex Collins still being healthy plus DJ Dallas there. I I mean he looked very dominant last week and he got the fair share of the touches. Um two of his touchdowns, I think, were thirty plus yards on there. Uh So I'm wondering what happens when they get into the red zone. I wonder if they don't bring Adrian Peterson in there um, on there and he turns more into a 20 to 20 guy. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of question marks around it. I guess, you know, if you were in a tournament lineup uh, that's a good play because he definitely has the upside. But uh, if you're in like a, a 50, 50, I would be a little leery about playing him just on the off chance that he does not do anything this week.
1: Okay, I just wanted to ask. Yeah, no, it's See a good, it. it's a good play.
0: I in everything, man. I, I want to start. I picked up Penny in a couple leagues for the playoffs. I don't know if I'm going to roll with him this week. I just don't think I can trust it. On that, fair enough. All right, so some wide receivers. Um, start off with uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, aside from Justin Jefferson, I think he is my start at wide receiver for the week. Uh, he gets the Jets. We already mentioned it with Tua. The Jets suck. Uh, Waddle gets enormous volume in this offense. And there was one game this year when Parker came back, and it looked like Waddle was in trouble. But since then, Parker's been there, and he has looked pretty damn good. So I like Waddle a lot. Um, I love Brandon Cooks versus Jacksonville at 5,800. Uh, I think this game could honestly be kind of an interesting little stack here if you wanted to go with some min price guys. Um, but Brandon cooks gets everything for, for, uh, Houston. Uh, he's a 5,800 KJ Osborne. Um, I actually have a lineup right now where I have Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne in the same lineup. And I followed it up with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, um, at 5,500. So this could be a sneaky shootout game. Um, Minnesota is going to let Chicago score points that they should not be allowed to score. And Chicago is not going to stop Minnesota. Uh, so, I like that a lot. Uh, Van Jefferson at 5,600 versus Seattle. Uh, if OBJ misses this game, and it looks like he's going to. Van Jefferson's looked really good. He's gotten like seven targets a game recently, so he's definitely in there. Now, if you really want a dumpster dive, Laquan Treadwell is 3,300 versus Houston. You'd have to be a ballsy human being to put him in your lineup, but for a tournament, it would not be the worst thing. And at tight end. Um,
1: Wait, can I mention two more dumpster nope. dives? Yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Sorry. Uh well, I was just gonna maybe pick your brains who you thought. Uh Nico Collins for Houston. So Davis Mills really likes Nico Collins. So and Davis Mills is getting the start for the rest of the season. They're going up against the Jaguars, who are terrible. Uh seeing maybe what you thought about that play, yeah. possibly. Uh, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but I don't know. This could be the week. Well, it's a matter of time before he does. I mean, right. he has looked good out there. My other one was going to be a Gabe Davis for Buffalo. He's like See, That's a really good one. 3,700. Um, yeah. If Emmanuel Sanders comes back, it might be a moot point. But going against Carolina this week, um, Stefan Diggs should have all the attention of uh, Stefan Gilmore. So possibly opens up Gabe Davis on the other side. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I love Gabe Davis as a player. Um, he is a dynasty buy for me, absolutely. Um, no, no, uh, I love Gabe Davis this week. Um, if Emmanuel Sanders does not go, Josh Allen loves this dude in the red zone. Um, so he's definitely a play for you. Uh, Nico Collins, um, I like it. I think it'd be a good tournament play. Like I said, it's got to happen eventually. It's definitely, It's
1: definitely a different play, and Davis Mills loves him some Nico Collins. Yeah,
0: it wouldn't be the worst play, man. You could definitely do it. I again I don't think I'd do it in cash games just because there's a lot of really cheap options that you can stack with some good guys in there. But uh, but yeah. If you want a tournament, I mean you could literally do a treadwell Nico Collins Royce Freeman stack, it would be horrible. And you would have to have some balls to put some, a lot of money on that. But you <laughs> yeah. could bring it back with Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams. Yeah, Debo, whatever you want to stack in there. And that wouldn't be the worst way to start a lineup. I don't know.
1: I might try I a weird know. one like that this week. Might only put a dollar on it, but, you know. Yeah. Hey, if you win, you could
0: win big with it. It's true. No one else would have them. No. <laughs> so, tight ends this week. Um, from what I'm looking at, it's it's really pay up or play pay way down. On tight end this week, Uh Kittle gets Atlanta at seventy five hundred. He has looked like an absolute stud. Um, if Elijah Moore's back, they're probably going to put Debo back on the outside where he should be and stop running the poor guy. Uh, but uh, if he gets back out there, then Kittle might see a little downtick in targets. But he's he's playing at an extreme level right now. Um, Mark Andrews sixty four hundred versus Green Bay. It doesn't matter which cor- or quarterback starts. Uh, it's a good good setup there. Uh, cheap ones. Uh Philly is the worst against tight ends and Ricky Seals Jones gets him at 3,400. He had one catch last week, which is not good, but uh, I think he gets it back on track this week. And I think my favorite tight end play for a tournament is Gerald Everett. He's 3,500 versus the Rams. <laughs> it is a revenge game and we love it. <laughs> so Gerald Everett's going to go off on him on um, this one. So um, my favorite lineup that I've gotten so far, uh, probably going to tweak it a little bit going on here, but we have Justin Fields, Antonio Gibson, Dante Foreman, Cooper Cup, Darnell Mooney, KJ Osborne, George Kittle, Laquan Treadwell, and the Raiders defense. The Raiders defense gets a uh, Cleveland team that literally has nobody on the team right now, So, or a coach.
1: Not so, wrong. Yeah, uh, they don't have a they coach might score zero
0: points, honestly
1: and they're missing secondary members, too, so that should just tell you all you need to know. Maybe Derek Carr is a good play.
0: That might not be the worst one. If you're in a
1: single game, just go ahead and load up on you – know, you probably put Derek Carr as your, like, captain or whatever, and then Nick Chubb, and then just fill in the rest with randos. Dude, I kind of
0: want to do a Jacksonville-Houston stack lineup here.
1: It. I mean, if you think about it, it could be a fun game. Okay. Nico. Nico Collins,
0: 3,500. I'm going to work on this while you talk. I'm going to see what I come for up sure.
1: with. For sure. No, I'm just saying, it's all we got for this week. Um, week 15, it's, it's make or break time. We got semifinals coming up next week. We got three weeks left of the season after this week. So, still a lot of football left to play, a lot of things still on the table, a lot of games still to be won. So, follow us at Offensive Points on Twitter. Follow Joe at OP Economist. Follow me at Umberg Bender. Follow Josh, who is not here right now, at Josh Hall STL. And follow Semi Pro Fantasy on Twitter. That is the new uh, handle for us. Um, me and Joe are maybe loading up the car and heading to the Senior Bowl here in a month, which will be a ton of fun. Um, about a month and a half at this point which could be a ton of fun uh we'll have more details on that as we go hopefully we can meet some players and talk some shop with some other fantasy individuals but it's all i got for i that's all i got for us this week joe you want to get us out of here yeah guys it's been a pleasure talking with you
0: and uh good luck this week and stick around for part two and good night